The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello and welcome in to the Thursday edition of the Leach Report. As we are just a couple of days away, a little over 48 hours actually, from Kentucky kicking off the football season down at Auburn against the Tigers at noon Eastern time on Saturday. We will talk about uh, that game today and obviously tomorrow as well. Today, Coach Steve Ortmeyer will uh, join us. We're going to bring Coach Ort in on Thursdays this season to talk not only about the Cats, but a little NFL as well. Thursday night game, I think, is the Dolphins and the Jags tonight. And then uh, Mike Pratt will be in his customary leadoff slot on Thursday. So that's our guest lineup for today. Let's jump right into the Wildcat news of the day. The preseason media poll came out yesterday for the SEC. Has Kentucky pegged fourth in the East? They were, oh, maybe 50 votes or so behind Tennessee, which was third. I think Tennessee had 454 and I, I say votes, it's probably points. It's probably awarded on a point system. I can't, I can't remember which. Anyway, Tennessee's total was 454. Kentucky's was 40-something. So they were uh, relatively close to the third slot in the voting. Uh, first team All-SEC, three Wildcats, two offensive linemen, Drake Jackson and Landon Young, plus the punter, Max Duffy. Uh, on the second team, offensive lineman Darian Kennard. And on the third team, uh, Josh Paschal and Boogie Watson from the defensive side of the ball. Glad to see Josh getting a little of that uh, recognition. I think he's going to have a really big year um, with uh, where he's going to be lined up now and his ability. I mean, with as good as Kentucky is going to be, I think, in the middle of the defensive line with Bohanna and backed up by McCall, that uh, I think it's going to open up some opportunities for Josh out on the edge to get to the quarterback and uh, make Kentucky's pass rush better. The one thing that um, I'd love to see Kentucky improve on this year defensively, they're uh, really good last couple of years, is uh, takeaways and, in particular, interceptions. Sometimes there's an element of getting and, and losing turnovers that is is just good fortune. You know, the ball goes on the ground and you, you recover it as the offense or the you don't recover it as the defense, and it stays with the offense. There's, you know, some element of luck to that. But uh, Kentucky hasn't had a, a a big plus number in that category. I think really since 2014. It's part of why they really overachieved in Mark Stoops' second season. And uh, there's again just kind of Phil Steele uh, when he does his analysis every year. He talks about it's one of the things he he analyzes. And there's an element of of good fortune that's involved with that. So. Um, uh, and K- Kentucky had only eight interceptions last season. I'm guessing that might be an area of significant improvement this year with a better pass rush and an even more experienced secondary. Uh, Terry Wilson will lead the Cats into battle, backed up by uh, Bo Allen, it looks like, because um, nowhere yet on Joey Gatewood. Now, yesterday, I think it was, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, was on a radio show in Birmingham, 
And Gate was one of three players in the SEC. There's uh, an offensive lineman, Cade Mays, that is transferring from Georgia to Tennessee. And there's another player whose name escapes me who I I think Ole Miss is involved either as the uh, departing school or the incoming school. Anyway, three players looking for in-conference transfers. And uh, Sankey reiterated that there is a clear rule that requires players to sit out one full academic year in residence before competing. And he emphasized that this is, uh, you know, that there have been some changes that the member schools have voted on to this transfer rule over the years, but that's one they have not elected to change. So Mark Stoops has, has been confident that he, uh, Gaywood would get the waiver, but um, we'll see if it happens. You know, if it's going to happen, maybe it happens after this Auburn game. There's the, the talk about the, the quote-unquote gentleman's agreement between Kentucky and Auburn. Uh, if if there's something to that, then, you know, the uh, the transfer would get approved, one would think, the the following week. But – from what Sankey was saying, certainly didn't sound like it was a case where not only Gatewood but the others would um, would get approved at all, and that they'd uh, all have to sit out. So we'll see how this plays. It's much different from the Olivier Saar case um, that uh, we'll get into uh, here in a bit as we move through the show. Not a whole lot new to add, but just the, the Gatewood case is is um, there's a much different uh, thing at uh, at issue there, but it's still an SEC decision in both cases. Um, Adam Zagoria says he's got a source that says the Kentucky-Georgia Tech game is going to be played in Atlanta on December 6th, which would be a Sunday afternoon. So kind of sounds like might be a deal where Kentucky might play in Orlando uh, in the Champions Classic and then stop off in Atlanta on the way back and play Georgia Tech. Uh, last night, Tyler, he wrote 37 points in the Miami win over the Celtics. Fourth player in NBA history to go for 30 at 20 years old or younger. The others, Magic Johnson, Derek Rose, and Brandon Jennings. I think Magic's came in the uh, uh, finals in his uh, rookie season when Jabbar was out, Abdul-Jabbar was out, and uh, Magic actually had to play center for the Lakers and I think scored 42 against Philadelphia. Um, so, big night for Tyler. We'll talk about that, too, with Mike Pratt when he joins us here in just a bit. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington and Palomar. And in Hamburg, the latter will be hosting us for the Monday morning quarterback show this coming Monday with Freddie Maggard as we'll uh, be looking back on the Kentucky-Auburn game. So uh, make sure your plans to come out and join us at Wild Eggs for that. We'll be right back on the Leach Report. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Mike Pratt to talk a little uh, hoops and a little Kentucky football probably too. We'll start with Tyler Hero, 37 last night. How about that? Well, I'll tell you what. I watched part of it, the first part, and uh, he was uh, you could tell he was in a rhythm. He was in a nice groove. Um, yeah, what do you expect? I mean, you and I talked <clears throat> last year, and I talked to all the scouts. And by the way, we have got to give a big shout out to uh, Randy Embry, who scouts for the uh, Heat, former He's state championship good, you know, Owensboro coach. Exactly, terrific coach, and uh, good guy. Played there with Cotton, mm-hmm. and uh, so we always talked. And he was, you know, he he got really he put him on to and. 
got excited about Bam and Hero both. And uh, I, I always thought that uh, this kid was a rotation player on a really good team. But what I mean by that is like fourth through seven. And um, But on a bad team, I thought he could be a starter and probably a soft star. So I sold him short, too. But I knew he would have, a, and I told you, a long career in the NBA. A, he can shoot. He learned to sh- play without the ball. He had a great knowledge of the game, a great feel for it. His rebounding really helped his defense. And the kids were workaholic. So, I mean, Bam had, Bam had many of those same quantities, or qualities, excuse me. He, he didn't shoot it uh, when he was at Kentucky like Tyler. But, boy, he, you know, he owned the paint, man. He blocked shots. He rebounded. So those two kids, uh, and a lot of good kids have had those attributes going through the program. But that separates the guys who are going to move to the next level successfully versus the guys that may possibly just start and then stop or just hang around. And those are great attributes. 37 points catches the eye, certainly. But Bam, I think, also had a, uh, I want to say 20 and 12, maybe he had a double-double. Uh, but uh, let's back to Tyler. I remember the first game down in the Bahamas uh, before the power went out. <laughs> we were down there. Um, in uh, August of 2018, I think the very first game he kind of uh, exploded on the scene and um, you know got got everybody buzzing in, in Big Blue Nation. And I was actually just looking back at his numbers from his first year. Uh, he his highest scoring game was 29 against Arkansas, which I don't I don't remember a lot about. The the other one that sticks out though when you look at his uh, worksheet for the year was the 24 uh, in the win over Louisville. Uh, so he came up big in that game. Yeah, those are a lot of numbers for a guy playing for Calipari, and and uh, those it just shows you what kind of shooter that kid is. And, and and he he developed he developed the ability to play without the ball. Calipari would start him in the middle, if you remember, late in the season, let him work out of each side off a pick, try to get him a catch shoot situation. And he got better off the bounce. I mean. Uh, you and I sat in practice before. I remember one day up there in Lexington that the kid, the drill, they go, uh, full speed up and down the floor and you catch and shoot for the three. And the guy made 15 in a row on the move beyond the arc. I sat there and I, and I, you know, I just shook my head. I said, now that, that kid's going to play a long time in that league for the same reason I think quickly, if given his chance, uh, we'll, we'll play a long time in that league too. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. Uh, do you see some similarities in Q and uh, Tyler? I do. I do. And uh, both have terrific work habits. Bam had terrific connect. It's one thing Randy Embry and I always talked about when it, when it came to Bam. We said, you know, well, he's limited offensively right now, but we saw him do some things in practice. But the kid works so damn hard. And uh, on the floor and off the floor that, you know, I mean, why wouldn't you be interested in a guy that big? So going back to Quickly and, and uh, Tyler, uh, Quick is he, he's a hard worker. He's developed uh, a little bit of work off the bounce, needs some more. But, man, he's catch-shoot. And the thing about him, the same thing that Tyler has, I think I see it developing in Bam, but Tyler and, and, and Quick, they're fearless. They're both fearless. They're, they If they miss some, they're fine. They continue to take good shots. Um, they, they're just so confident in their offense and it's grown with Tyler we saw it grow with quick and I think it'll grow with quick later on uh, he needs to get a little stronger but um, he can play he can play in that league a long time hope Riley gives Randy Emery a raise 
Yeah, Randy's been – he is good. He's he deserves it. And, uh, he deserves it. Um, of course, people sometimes get real tight with their money after the fact, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, hopefully not here. Me next? <laughs> uh, quick break. Mike Pratt's with us. Uh, his weekly visits to the show presented by Boone's Butcher Shop in Bardstown. You can check him out at boonesbutchershop.com. And you can follow Mike Pratt on Twitter at MikePratt22. We'll be right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. 24 past the top of the hour. Chat with Mike Pratt on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Got to talk a little bit about the football game Saturday. Kentucky-Auburn, you are uh, high on the big blue. I am. I am. Uh, Just from purely, uh, you know, football um, guts. Guts of football is up the middle, uh, both ways, defensively and offensively, and that allows your running backs a lot of a lot of room. And defensively, you come with some stops with uh, the up the middle, kind of like baseball. Freddie Magger brought this up to me a few weeks ago. You know, the catcher, the pitcher, the shortstop, and second baseman at center field, right up the middle. If you're strong there, you got a you got a real chance. And if you look at Kentucky, they're pretty daggone strong up the middle. Um, the other thing is, uh, hopefully, they have a little bit of an edge. They've kind of been overlooked and uh, or put in a position where maybe not uh, ranked as high or thought of as much as they should be. And, and I always like teams that play with a chip. I think if you don't have that chip for whatever the reason, you have a tendency to, to be lackadaisical and relax. And people say, well, that's, that's really, really easy. Well, it's not really easy because young folks sometimes get lost in a lot of different things. And they uh, and they listen to the wrong people, uh, and they they lose that chip, they lose that push. The uh, you could use revenge as a word, but I like chip and would in, would in, uh, enclose uh, uh, a rivalry, a respect issue all in one. So they play with that chip at Auburn, where everybody thinks Auburn's a ten point favorite. All this kind of good stuff. They're going to be fine, and uh, I think they're set for a big year, Tom. Uh, assuming no injuries. Wilson comes along as uh, as projected. Uh, I think they're in for a big year. It's, it's a shame we didn't see them uh, play twelve, um, and you know that would look pretty solid for them uh, with an experienced team like they've got. I think that twelve that twelve game schedule would have been right up the sweet spot. And uh, I, I just like them this year. I really do. Maybe the best team Stoops has had since he's been there, possibly. Let's talk a little about the Olivier Sar case. None of us you know, know what all is going on. It's apparently an SEC issue now. And uh, I had Kyle Tucker on um, Wednesday, yesterday. He uh, talked about this and then tweeted about it later that he's heard there's at least one coach, could be more, that uh, are, are pushing back on uh, Sar getting his approval to play at Kentucky because of this rule. Uh, involving transfers who have one year of eligibility left. I would think from the Kentucky side, you would hope that some of the 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 thing some of the way you've conducted yourself comes back to you in a in a case like this. Kentucky, anytime somebody's left the Kentucky program, they've been very supportive, haven't done anything to, to block any anybody or wherever they wanted to go. Uh, and also when guys have come in and had the one year, despite what you know Bob Knight and others would have suggested in the early days, 
guys from Kentucky, even if they, you know, they finish their basketball eligibility in the spring, they complete work. They complete their academic work as they are required to, or as they want them to do. They don't uh, bail on the classwork. And then some guys come back and John Wall, be an example, get their, deg- you know, work on their degree, get their degree. So they're doing all those things to come back and say, look, this is not, you know, uh, just a basketball decision for this kid that uh, he, he will do the classwork. We'll make sure that he will, et cetera. Yeah, I think all those points are, are well taken and the people you have your uh, sources you talk to and I have mine and I was told there's three schools trying to to really uh, block this eligibility rule uh, in the league and then uh, we know that the league if you talk to enough people who've been around the league that you know there's uh, a lot of jealousy in that league and uh, Florida in football now Alabama in basketball in Kentucky uh, historically and maybe we've been a little arrogant along the way but still we've been good for the league the league has been good for us there's uh, there's always a jealousy. When I was in Carolina, they always thought that uh, the league over there, ACC, thought that way about Carolina. They were happy, you know, that Duke caught them finally and kind of uh, passed them up as far as notoriety. Then they uh, then the league got a little jealous of Duke. So that's that's the world we live in, uh, athletically or individually. So uh, I, and the other thing is, and I think you heard this too, Tom, that this rule was passed. It was a football rule because of what was going on transfers with football. And so they just made it across the board and probably didn't think that this would be such an issue with basketball back in the day, but it was football. So I, my prediction is they'll, they'll change it. They'll do something. If not, I think the league's in for a lot of bad publicity and, and not from Kentucky. Uh, there'll be some outrage, yes, from Kentucky fans, but I think nationally if you look at this and you go like this is not fair with what's going on it's just not fair and if you want to put yourself out as a uh, institution the ncaa or the sec as being fair to your student athletes you, you can't you can't let this not be altered in some way i just that's just my feeling mike pratt always a pleasure enjoy the games this weekend let's go cats buddy mike pratt uh, he joins us on Thursdays here on the Leach Report, coming to us via the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. We'll catch up to Coach Ortmeyer when we come right back. It's the Leach Report Radio Network, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. 26 away from the top of the hour as we return to our Thursday edition of the show and on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline, Coach Steve Ortmeyer joins us. Uh, Coach, we're almost here to the uh, opening game for Kentucky. I was watching practice yesterday and i thought you know waiting for the first game it's it's normally a lot hotter than this it's it's a uh, you know about a, almost a month later uh, for a start so these players and coaches have to be just chomping at the bit to get out there i'm sure they are and uh and then that's that's kind of what it's going to take to, to win this one i remember when we went down to auburn was it 2010 or 29 and uh, 209 yeah 2009 yeah and and we just went down with confidence, and uh, we went down with confidence that we had the best team. We do this year. 
we have the best team this year, and as long as as long as we go down and take it, take a tough running game to them, and take a tough special teams game to them. I think we're going to be in good shape. Yeah, that game in uh, 2009, if memory serves, it was the week after uh, your starting quarterback, Mike Hartline, had been knocked out for the season down at South Carolina. And uh, you guys go in there with a three-headed quarterback of uh, Morgan Newton taking the red shirt off. Randall Cobb playing some quarterback, and Will Fiddler, and uh, all three played really a key role. They did. They did. And and uh, I think it was a, a combination of going in there with the three different uh, styles and, and the three different guys and going in with confidence. That was, I was just looking up, it was Gus Malzahn's first year as Auburn's offensive coordinator. And uh, I've always thought when I watched his uh offenses that they sometimes it have they try to do too much they get too cute uh it, it feels like to me um they do a, a lot of uh, we talked about this with stoops monday a lot of what Eddie grand calls eye candy motions and various uh, things that they do to try to confuse a defense but it sometimes i think can confuse an offense too yeah they definitely did when he was a young coach and uh i, I hope he's still in that mode to tell you the truth but uh, but I, but I believe that, that if that if we go in there and and uh, and take a tough running game to them, that we're the better team. You know, this to me feels like it it should be a 2016 type of Kentucky team in that. Uh, they ran the ball so well, and then they reminded me of uh, those old Oakland Raider teams that you were a part of, where it was a great running game and then play action pass to deep balls uh, off the run and uh, Kentucky hit a bunch of those in 2016 with Stevie Johnson not as many since and uh, I think that's something they might be able to bring back into their offense this year I hope I hope Terry has that in his arsenal because uh, uh, I, I think he's going to be very effective I think he's going to be very creative and, and he's going to keep guys moving and and I hope that he has something that's going to put them off balance, and, and that would be it. Let me uh, play something for you here, and we'll get uh, your thoughts on it. This was from the Behind Kentucky Football podcast with uh, Curtis Birch on the UK Sports Network, and he was talking with Drake Jackson, and uh, it's a comment. Uh, I retweeted it earlier today. It's a comment from uh, Drake talking about uh, Terry Wilson. Uh, Shannon, you can roll that. I went up to Terry during our last scrimmage, and I just said, you're a lot more comfortable, aren't you? And he said, yeah. And I said, you just, I'm no quarterback coach, but I just feel like he's making a decision, throwing the ball, and not only is it the right decision, but it's hitting the guy on target. And we know he's going to be able to run, okay? When Coach Stoops said he hasn't lost a step and he's back to 100%, he really meant that. But it's the, it's the, the balls on the edges of the field that Terry's throwing. It's the the deep balls. It's the quick, quick hitters uh, taking the free cheese the defense gives us. I think is what is exciting a lot of guys around here. So you look at Terry and you're like, okay, that's their starting quarterback because he goes out there with that mindset, with that poise, and I think. He looks better than he did last year. You look at an injury, and you got to think he missed 
almost the whole season, didn't really get a spring practice. And I think he's coming out here, and I think he's a better thrower than he was the year before. So he's doing something right. It was Drake Jackson of the Behind Kentucky Football Podcast. So, Coach Ort, uh, when you hear that, uh, I know when listening to it, I'm thinking, boy, if if everything Drake's saying proves true with what Kentucky has in the offensive and defensive lines uh, that look so solid on paper, the kind of play that Drake's talking about from Terry Wilson is what could take them from good to great. That's exactly right. And, and uh, I, I hope that Terry has the – the poise that, uh, that that Drake's talking about here, because uh, there will be there will be a rough spot every now and then. But if he if he can overcome it, if he can uh, if he can go on as though nothing has happened except that uh, that he's running the show, I think that will be a major step in the right direction for us. It'll be interesting to see what uh, the storyline looks like after this game because going in on paper, uh, Bo Nix started as a true freshman for Auburn, had some ups and downs, but you know won the Iron Bowl game, played really well against Alabama. So uh, he's a guy that uh, people are some people are pointing to as as one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Uh, that would do a lot for Terry's confidence if he went down there and outplayed that young man. Boy, it really would, and uh, and 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 Nix will be. Uh... Knicks will be provision. Knicks has played in big games. And uh, it, from a standpoint of a challenge to our defense, that's going to be it. But, uh, but, but, but if we'll just stay the course, if we'll stay the course with a tough, tough running game and let Duffy control this thing, I think we're in good shape. You know, that's a good point with, uh, with Duffy because uh, in preparing for this, Auburn – has um, is working in a new punter. In fact, they've got uh, two guys listed at the punter spot, uh, so they've probably decided by now. But on, on the depth chart, it, it's an or position. Uh, the uh, they've got a freshman uh, from the Australia pipeline, like Mike Max, and then uh, an older player. So the, the point being that uh, and and it wasn't I don't think a strong suit for them last year, and so now they've got question marks coming in. That might be a place in the punting game where Kentucky could gain an advantage. I think it is. I think it definitely is, and uh, because that's one thing, Tom, that 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 it is so hard to practice inner squad about. Uh, we 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 can we can we have we have a punt team that that should be ready from last year, should be ready, and they don't, and uh, and it, it just it just uh, carries over a phase in the game. They have a bunch of kids that are redshirted. We have a bunch of kids that have played. I just think that we have experience on our side. Um, talking with Coach Steve Ortmeyer. Uh, we'll take a quick break. It's about 18 away from the top of the hour. Kentucky playing its opening game on Saturday at Auburn, and uh, we'll continue the discussion a little bit about the NFL, too, when Coach Ort returns on the Leach Report Radio Network. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Back with Coach Steve Ortmeyer on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. He was uh, Rich Brooks' special teams coordinator, tight ends coach uh, during Coach Brooks' run here, and also uh, 
many years in the uh, National Football League as a special teams coach, ex- in, uh, executive, etc. And I wanted to ask you, Gail Sayers passed yesterday, and I was particularly saddened since he was uh, my first favorite player in in, sp- any, in all sports. Um and uh, why I'm still a Bears fan. I was looking at uh, up your bio. Couldn't remember when you got to the NFL. So you got to the 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 league a little after Gale played. But I'm guessing you have some memories of him as a player. A little after, but I do have memories of him as a player, and and I have many memories of the people in Chicago talking about him as a player. Uh, Tom, if I'm not mistaken, he was the youngest player to uh, be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Still is. And. Justifiably so. Yeah, I mean to to be uh, a great player. He had a a li- more limited body of work than most of uh, the people that go in. So that speaks to just how compelling his talent was to prompt people to make that vote. Yeah, he was he was he was a flash in the pan. I mean, he he he, he, he was it was very very hard to contain. He was special in college. And, and he was special when he got to the Bears. Bears had uh, two of the great ones in my lifetime, and Sayers and Peyton, as one of my listeners pointed out yesterday, they also had uh, Red Grange back back in the day, as it were. That's right. Um, That's right. Sayers, uh, you know, Peyton are probably two of the top ten easily, maybe top five. Uh, Jim Brown's on that list. Um, who's the the best? Let's put it this way: not the best running back you saw, the best running back you were around coaching uh, at some point. Probably Marcus Allen. I would have to say Marcus Allen, and 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 yet I was around Marcus and Bo Jackson, and Bo was Bo was very special. He was uh, there wasn't anybody like him, and and, uh, and and being around those two guys, and and yet I had a chance to uh, see Peyton play and play against both Peyton. And and it was uh, it was amazing what what uh, the, the great running backs can do. Got to ask you uh, from a special teams perspective about that Dallas onside kick last week. I uh, flipped over, watched them uh, rally to within five, but by that time there was less than two minutes to play, and they're out of timeouts. And I'm like, nobody gets onside kicks anymore. I think I flipped back over to the the golf tournament, and then I see where Dallas won, and I saw the highlights. How uh, pretty incredible that Atlanta let that thing keep rolling. Oh, that that it, it, it was a huge mistake on Atlanta's part, and it was a kind of an airplane ball that uh, that that had the the trajectory to go right when uh, when it got on the ground, and it did. And Atlanta let it go, and uh, it was a huge mistake. It was it was obviously an example of of Atlanta's hand team not having practiced properly. You know, the uh, Kentucky has a lot of experience in special teams, uh, which is, I think, important. I saw Cole Kubelik, the SEC Network analyst, tweeted out something yesterday about the how many, in just in the first couple of weeks of college football, how many missed field goals, missed extra points, penalties, etc. There have been just in special teams. But Kentucky does have to uh, work in a new uh, deep snapper, uh, Blake Best had been flawless for several years, so that's uh, I'm sure always a little unsettling for the special teams coach, isn't it? It is. It is because uh, it's deep snap is the key to it all. But I have confidence in this guy. I've seen this guy uh, up close and personal, Tom, and uh, and I think he's going to take up right where Best left off. Best was 
Best was perfect for his, for his four years, and he was very, very good at what he did. But I think uh, is it is it De, what's his name? De I Gromer. think it's Cade DeGown. DeGown, yeah, he's he's going to be all right. He's going to be all right. Uh, talk with Coach Steve Ortmeyer on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. We've talked about Terry Wilson, and obviously we're all going to be eager to see how he plays, having not seen him play in, in so long. Who are some of the other guys you're most eager to see in action when this game starts on Saturday? Well, I'm, I'm anxious to see Devontae Robinson if he's back to, to what he can be because Devontae Robinson is a special player also. Uh, so that that one's going to intrigue me, but I, I am I am very intrigued by by the, the uh, uh, Pascal and, and and all the guys in in the defensive line. I I think that, uh, that that that's the key to having a real SEC team. If we can put together a defensive line that can stand in there week after week, and we're going to get tested this week. We will be tested the first week of the season with. Uh, with Knicks, and 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 yet, if we can come through the test with uh, the defensive line that we've assembled, and when we should, because one thing that Stoops has done, particularly in the last three years, they have taught fundamentals. They have been great fundamental team relative to tackling and and defensive position and that kind of thing. So, I expect that if if we're able to do that, we're uh, we're going to be in good shape. I'm excited to see the running backs too. I, I, I think if if Rose and Smoke and Rodriguez take up where they left off, we're going to be very very tough. You mentioned Pascal. I was talking about him at the top of the show. That he's a guy that I think is going to have a big year because, and it speaks to his talent and, and how much he can you know handle with his. Uh, uh, IQ football IQ to have to you know to go between different positions like he has uh, and uh, handle it all well. But now I think he's at the spot where he's he's best um, because uh, at uh, at his size he was good as an outside linebacker, but I think probably sacrificed a little speed for the other things that you got there. Whereas now I think he's going to be exceptionally fast. A defensive end and uh, really going to be able to create some havoc. Yeah. yeah, I think you will too. And I think he and he and and Wright and and and, uh, and Bohanna have something special working together. And uh, I'm just really excited to see it. Uh, what uh, are some of the key stats or storylines that you think will decide the outcome of this game? Well, I think that uh, I think our running game should be way ahead of theirs. It, it, it should be. Uh, I, I just think that uh, if, if Rose has taken the next step, uh, we, we've got another great running back on our hand. But I also believe that it is so hard to practice the kicking game when you're in her squad that uh, if we will let Duffy control this game, if we will, if we will not be afraid to punt the ball and put the ball in Duffy's hands, we can control field position. And I think this is a field position game. And uh, and and so I'm, I'm anxious to see it from that standpoint. Tom Hart was on with us. He's going to be calling the game for TV. He said he thought it's probably a low-scoring game. you agree with that? Yes, I do. I do agree it's a low-scoring game. 
and 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 I don't see them making a lot of mistakes. I don't see us making very many at all. And and if that's the case, we'll let the kicking game control it. Coach Ortmeyer, we appreciate the time. We'll talk to you next Thursday. You bet. Coach Steve Ortmeyer joining us here on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. We'll be right back with our final segment of the Leach Report for a Thursday. A couple of noteworthy items on the road to the Triple Crown. These are presented, these updates, by Claiborne Farm, doing the usual unusually well for more than 100 years. Tis the law is going to skip the Preakness trainer. Barkley Tag made the announcement yesterday. Wants the horse to be fresh for the Breeders' Cup Classic at Keeneland on the first weekend in November. So Tis the Law uh, will bypass the Preakness. Swiss Skydiver, the filly who ran second in the Bluegrass and second in the Kentucky Oaks, might take a shot against the boys again in the Preakness. Trainer Kenny McPeak telling Marty McGee of the Daily Racing Forum that he'll probably wait until uh, Monday, entry day, to make that decision. Uh, the other options they're considering for Swiss Skydiver are a couple of races at Keeneland, uh, the Spinster against uh, older fillies and mares, um, or, and that's on the opening weekend, or on the second weekend, uh, the uh, Grass Stake, the QE2 Cup against the uh, three-year-old fillies exclusively. So we'll find out early next week. ClaiborneFarm.com. You can go there and book a tour of the farm. The Stan Wildcat history, 1949. Kentucky scored a 19-0 win at LSU. It was the first of three straight SEC shutout wins for Bear Bryant, and it would lead to the Bears' first bowl game at Kentucky, the Orange Bowl. Uh, a couple of uh, Wildcat birthdays. Roderick Rhodes celebrates a birthday today. Matt Heisenbuttle, happy birthday to Matt as well. Uh, saw a, a note where UK is making plans to have about 1,000 uh, student tickets approximately for home games. First one being a week from Saturday when Ole Miss comes in. Uh, students can uh, check out the websites associated with UK sports or student activities and get more information on that. Also, we've been talking about Gail Sayers and uh, the uh, movie Brian's song that told the story of his friendship with Brian Piccolo. Wonderful story about that with Mike DeCourcy that you ought to check out. I retweeted that yesterday. We'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leechreport at gmail.com.